0: You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com Hey, it's good to see you guys. Love y'all. Glad you're here. Uh, March 1st, I don't know where the year's gone so far, but uh, it's crazy, um, and now we're, in the, we're we're thinking about spring, and so keep praying for our Africa team. They're going to still be there uh, throughout this week, and um, be watching Facebook. I was looking at Facebook, and I love watching the before pictures, and I can't wait to see their face after, because before, they the first-timers, they have this look about their face, like, what have we gotten into? And it doesn't help that I give them a little pep talk and try to scare them as much as I can before they go. And I'm like, okay, you want to watch out for these things. Don't ever look this. Don't ever do this. Don't ever do this. And they're just, and then they get there and it's nothing. But um, be, be praying for them while they're there. Uh, we love that they're there. And uh, also just to give you a heads up, you know, if when they get back, I'm just going to give you a little caution. Because this happens to me. This is the first time in five years I haven't been on that team. And um, when I get home, my grace threshold goes way down. And I know theirs will do the same. And what I mean by that is I get home and I look at the things that I complain about. And I have this moment of, really? I complain about that? That? I mean, you just spent 10 days on the ground with people who have more joy than we see in most of our lifetimes, and they have nothing. They're in a mud hut. They might get food this month, but you know what? They got a relationship with Jesus, and they celebrate that, and they got more joy, and so I come home, and my latte is 191 degrees instead of 196 degrees, so just be careful. Uh, so they'll be dealing with that some, and uh, um, those of you who missed uh, missed it, uh, there'll be information on Facebook, and you can do some child sponsorships, and so if you... If you want to engage with that, you can, and then last week, uh, we announced a, a, a new staff member for those of you who missed last week, so to catch you up, you know, it's like, I've got to spend this time catching you up, and so we have a new staff member, Judd Vire. I don't know if he's in the room right now or not, um, but he is my executive pastor now, he's come on our team, and somebody asked, what does that mean? And the, I've got to boil it down to, the, the, to a common, simple phrase for me, okay, and this is the way it goes. God gives me vision, and he implements it. There you are, John. I just saw you, man. Hey. Uh, God gives me vision, and he implements it. And so it's nice having an implementer uh, along with me. And so uh, watch out, y'all. There's going to be some stuff happening around here. And and then uh, the church plant that we announced last month, or not last month, it's March, in January, uh, we've got a lot of things starting to rock and roll on that. So be ready for that. So All right. Here we go. Galatians chapter three. If you got your Bible, uh, meet me there. If you don't have a Bible, we keep them on the back cabinets for you. And uh, if you don't own one, that's our gift for you. Take it home. Uh, happy Sunday. Happy March 1st. And uh, you don't have to get me anything in return. It's okay. Um, but if you're going to take one, I highly recommend the new one. It's, got, it's the large print. We have some small print Bibles, and unless you have magnifying glasses for eyes, I wouldn't recommend that. I can't. I can't even. I can't even work it like that. I feel like I need the the monocle version of it, like you know, where you put the. Remember that from Monopoly? I don't know. Where this has come from? Um, anyway, so we've been teaching through the Book of Galatians. It's actually a letter written by a man named Paul, radically changed by Jesus. I mean, just is an incredible transformation story. He begins to share this message of the cross and who Jesus is, that he was crucified for us, that he was resurrected for us, and that we can find faith and hope and righteousness in, in God through Christ. And that message starts becoming viral. And Paul was a Jew and he starts preaching to people who are non-Jews. They're starting to hear this message and they're starting to receive the same grace of God that, that, that the Jews were receiving, who believed in Jesus. And that's causing some issues because you got some, some people, they were called the circumcision party. They're called the Judaizers. I was thinking through this message and I thought of the movie Tombstone. That's one of my favorite movies ever. And I thought of Ike Clanton when he's like, you law dog, we don't need you around here law dog. So you got the law dogs is what I'm going to call them. And so the law dogs are saying that's great that you got Jesus and you got grace and you got your forgiveness, but you got to do these other things. So they start adding this list of ex- external things and behaviors, and you got to do this. Now, for the, for the Galatians, they were telling them, you got to be circumcised, and to which I would respond, no, I don't. But um, they are trying to put all this list on them, do this. And it's amazing how we do the same thing. We, we look at grace, and we take this message that's called the gospel. The gospel is this. It's the good news of what Jesus did and what Jesus does. Now we look at what Jesus did. What he did was he died for us on the cross and he was resurrected. And what he does is he makes us justified before God. He makes us righteous before God. That's his work. It's a completed work through Christ and I don't have to add anything to that. And we get into this, 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 this mess in, with, with grace that we think we have to add to it. And we start abusing other people with grace. We're like, well, that's fine that you got grace, but you're not behaving the right way. And so you can't do this or you have to do this. And, and, and so we'll add these things like, you know, that's great that you're, you love Jesus and, and you're saved, but, but you don't go to church. And we think church somehow equates to salvation. It doesn't. Church is what we do because we're saved and because we're seeking the presence of God and we come in and we're like, I need to be with people to encourage me. You know, people will say, well, if you're saved, you have to give or God's not going. It's basically we spend all this time trying to figure out how to get God's favor. And ultimately what we have to realize and come back to is God gave us his favor through grace. He loves you. You don't have to do all these things to keep loving you. I mean, this week, you know, we entered into the season of Lent, and and, and, and you know, you go and get the, the ashes on your forehead. That, doesn't, that That's an external thing. Now, there should be a heart change, should be a heart of repentance. You know, we, we go through Lent, and we go, like, I'm going to give up something. And I, I was talking to somebody one year, and they're like, I gave, I gave up smoking, because I want to experience God's grace more. And I said, man, the people who are going to have to experience God's grace are the people around you all week. So... <laughs> I mean, I'm just, you know, I'll be praying for you, but I'm going to pray for you from a distance because uh, I don't want to deal with your attitude. And so, so we start to think it's these externals that are going to keep me in God's favor. And that's just not the truth, y'all. That's not the gospel. Or, or we start to abuse grace and think, well, if Jesus paid it all, I can do whatever I want. I mean, it's like, we feel like we have this, this blank check with grace and we're like, well, Jesus is covering the tab so I can go do whatever I want. You know, like I, I can live how I want because he's covered it. And, and that's not the gospel. That's an abuse of grace. We've tried to find a grace loophole to get God to just fund whatever lifestyle we want. And that's just not the truth. The grace, I think that's in the middle, right? It's where, where grace brings us into this, this realization that we're deeply loved, we're deeply pursued, and we have this life that has been bought for us that we can now walk in. And it, it happens by grace, and so Paul is going to really get into the meat of this of the teaching of this letter. And I'm going to read the entire passage so we can gain context, and then and kind of break it down. He starts out pretty strong. He says, "Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this: Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish?" Having begun by the Spirit, are you now are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed if it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or, or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that is those of faith who are sons of Abraham, and the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preach the good news in the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, "In you shall all the nations be blessed." So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And so, Paul's really kind of just going at him a little bit, going, "Look, you—you got some crazy thinking happening now." And he calls them out on it. He says, look, you've, you've, got, you've gotten off into the weeds. you you've gotten off into an area where it's not the gospel and you're you're kind of you're getting frustrated. You're frustrating each other. You're frustrating yourself. And you, Paul's like, You're foolish glaciers, you're frustrating me. And, and and so he's gonna teach them, he's gonna kind of show them the folly of their ways, show them that the way they're thinking is 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 foolish. And and He's trying to impart wisdom into this. And my grandfather used to, to say this to me And, and uh, growing up. And, and he would ask the question, and you always had to say, you give me the answer, right? Because he wanted to share the story. And so that's the, the right of being a grandfather is you can share the story as much as you want. So, But he would ask me, say, you know, Matthew, do you know the difference between smart and stupid? Yeah. No, sir, I don't. Well, stupid is when you make a mistake and you don't learn anything from it. Yes, sir. Smart is when you make a mistake and you learn something from it. Yes, sir, got it. Matthew, do you know what wisdom is? No, sir. Wisdom is when someone else makes a mistake and you learn from it. And he says, I want you to walk in wisdom. Look, we've got the opportunity to walk in wisdom and ask God for wisdom as we move through this interaction Paul's having in this letter, because we can see their thinking, we can see the mistakes they're making, and we don't have to repeat the same mistakes, y'all. He says, look, why are you being so foolish? Who, who bewitched you? He, he's also, that, that's a reference of, of who tricked you? Who's got your mind going in a different direction? Who, who transitioned your train of thought? He says, it was before your eyes that Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And what that means is is that Paul has explained to them who Jesus is so clearly and what the crucifixion is all about and then the resurrection that brings the hope. He's made that so clear. I mean, that's what we pray constantly is that when you come into an environment at the creek, we want Jesus to be made clear. We want you to be loved and him to be made clear because when those two things happen, there's some change that can happen in our life that we can see who Jesus really is. Not not the American version of Jesus, not the Jesus who becomes a vending machine God, but who Jesus really is. That he and he alone is the son of God who bore the sin and my, my, my punishment on his shoulders when he hung on the cross. And Paul made that so clear to them. He says, it's as though that I had this poster in front of you publicly so you could see what the gospel is all about. And why have you done this? Why have you lost focus on Jesus? Someone has changed your your focus and taken your attention off of Jesus. He says, the foolish thinking you're in is you've lost your focus here. You were focused on Jesus. You You had him in your sights, and then you just, man, just pulled away from that. And I, I think that I think that we miss that sometimes. We got into a conversation a couple of weeks ago and and, and about uh kind of just religious symbols. We were talking about the cross. And I walked into a to a a chapel while we were on an on an exploratory trip in Mexico, and they had this beautiful crucifix hanging on the wall. And and Jesus was was on the cross and I'm looking at that and, and to me, it, it really struck me because a lot of times in, 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 in churches we have an empty cross and I think that's good because he's not still there. He's off the cross. He's not in the tomb. The tomb is empty. So if we want to have symbols, I mean, we need a cross without Jesus on it and a tomb without Jesus in it. But it, it, it reminded me of something as I'm looking at this in this chapel. He did that for me. That we sanitize the cross by cleaning up the beams and making it some pretty piece of jewelry that we hang on our neck. When what the cross is, it's, it's the symbol of suffering and shame, it is the place for a criminal's death. Is what the scripture says cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It was the ultimate way the Romans could shame someone by beating them and nailing them to the beams naked for everybody to witness their death. And when I saw that, I was reminded that he took the stripes for me. That the crown of thorns was placed on his head because he's my king. That he took the nails in his hands and his feet And by every drop of his blood absorbed God's punishment against my rightful punishment that my sin deserves. That if I ever think, God, give me what I deserve, then it needs to be death and eternal separation from him. But because the grace and mercy and the love of Jesus Christ, he took my place. And Paul says, you've lost focus of that. You've gotten focused on an empty cross because Jesus was there for you. You can't. You can't do anything to add on to this. Who's changed your mind to think that somewhere along the way, this grace that you've received by Jesus and what He did on the cross somehow you can add to and think that you can complete it? It's impossible and it's foolish thinking. I mean, to challenge him in this this idea of grace, he goes on to say, "Look." How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Because what was happening is the Jews who were believing that Jesus Christ was crucified and resurrected, that he is Messiah, he is Savior, when they were placing their faith and hope in him, they were receiving the Holy Spirit. And that was a a sign of the grace and a sign of the forgiveness and a sign of the, the, the relationship it was a fulfillment of what Jesus taught in John chapter 14. He says, I'm going away. Look, I'm, I'm getting ready to go through this whole experience, and I'm going away. But if I go, I'm gonna prepare a place for you and I will come back for you. But while I'm gone, when I go, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to you. And it's better that I go so that he can come because he's gonna lead you in all truth. He's gonna convict the world of sin. He's gonna lead us into the ways of righteousness. When we think about this idea of getting saved, remember as a kid, I don't know if you grew up in church. If you grew up in church, that's that's an awesome testimony, but you also have some, some vocabulary and maybe some baggage that some of us have. But somebody would say, "Do you want to ask Jesus into your heart?" I'm like, uh, "What does that look like?" You know, because I, I, I just this, the whole image. But what happens is when I when I profess Jesus and say, "You're my Lord, my Savior, forgive me," the Holy Spirit moves in. Jesus explained that to Nicodemus in John chapter three when He says, "Spirit gives birth." to Spirit. And the Holy Spirit moves in. Before he even moves in, he starts showing me my need for Jesus. He starts showing me that that I can't live up to this. I can't find righteousness on my own. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is making me fully aware that Jesus is the only way. So I submit my life to him and the Holy Spirit moves in. I become a temple of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a beautiful thing that he wants to live in this mess? And he moves in and he he begins to lead me into truth and to guide me, to, to be a source of peace and strength and hope. And what Paul's saying is, look, this spirit that you received, did you receive it by your goodness or God's goodness? Did you receive it by works of the law, by your ability to follow the list? Did you somehow figure out the formula for God? That if I can behave this way and change my diet and do this and get up at this time and go to bed by this time and not do this, but do this, I've figured out the relationship and connection with God and I don't need grace. I've got it, I've got it. Or did you receive it by faith? He says, look, if you received it by faith, faith is what started this work in you. How can you be so foolish to think that your effort And your striving is going to finish that work. And he's pointing out, do you realize how crazy this is? And he who supplies the Spirit, this is God who sends the Spirit into us at salvation, who secures us and seals us for that that day of redemption. He who gives the Spirit, when he does the, the miracle, it says among you, in in this translation, and what that, that means is what he does in you and through you. So among included what's happening inside and what's happening outside. What he's done among you, is it because of your goodness or his goodness? It's only through faith. It's only through what his goodness does through us that he works through our brokenness, he works through our messes, he works through this. And what Paul's saying is that somewhere along the way, you've stopped relying on the Holy Spirit. You've somehow decided that I've got grace, but I'll take it from here. And it just doesn't work that way. And, and, And I'll be honest with you, this is a little bit of a struggle. I mean, I grew up in church and I would hear things about the Holy Spirit and You know, for a while, I thought he was kind of the the weird uncle that when he shows up, things get weird, Um, because I've been in some weird churches, y'all. I mean, I was like, never any snakes. If you roll in here with a snake, you're leaving, okay? Our security team will quickly turn you around, and you are gone from this campus. You can handle that somewhere else, but I, I haven't been in that kind of a crazy thing, but I have seen some crazy stuff under the name of the Holy Spirit in church. I'm like, this is weird. So I had this idea, like, I don't want the Holy Spirit to show up and things get weird. But then I would hear this thing of you need to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. I mean, later on, in chapter 5, and we're going to get there after Easter, we were planning out the weeks of this, but in chapter 5, verse 25, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What does that even mean? I mean, for a long time, I thought about the movie Young Guns when they found the mushrooms and they got into the Spirit world. Like, is that what it means to walk in the Spirit, to live in step with it? I, mean, I, I just had a hard time understanding that. Because to me, it was, okay, if I'm going to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, does it mean I just kind of do nothing and the Holy Spirit does everything? But what I've come to learn is the Holy Spirit empowers me to do the work and live the life He's called me to live. In Ephesians 5, 18, it says, don't be drunk with wine because that'll lead you to do other crazy stuff, but be filled with the spirit. And what that means is, think of this, think, get this word picture in my mind. It's a sail on a ship and the Holy Spirit is referenced as wind throughout scripture. So be filled with the spirit. So the spirit fills that sail and begins to set direction in my life. Now, there's a lot of work to do on the ship, right? I still, I have to raise the sail. I have to have my life in a position to say, God, I'm ready to receive from you. And when that wind starts to blow, I've gotta be willing to to do what he's called me to do. He empowers me. It doesn't mean I just sit back and go, well, you got this, so you do it. I'm relying fully on you. No, he says, I'm empowering you. It it begins to, he begins to move in my life and they begin to show me areas of peace. And, and so, this walking in the Spirit, I think of, you know, people ask all the time for me to pray for them, and, and we have these discussions, and I even do this God, show me which direction to, to go. What door should I open? What, what door are you opening? What door are you closing? And God, what's the right answer? Where should I go? And sometimes that, that, that just kind of reduces down to, to God in the Wizard of Oz behind a curtain of us saying, show me the way to go home. Will you follow the yellow brick road? And you know, so we, we spend our prayer time going, God, show me the yellow brick road. And, and, and we, we miss that. He's, he's, God says, no, no, that's not what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to, to live in step with me. I think of an exodus back to this guy named Moses who led them out of the the Egypt and they were heading towards the promised land and they gotten prideful about about their abilities and and how they can sustain this and and pride will mess you up when you're trying to do anything. But God says this to Moses. He says, you're a stiff necked people, which means means you're prideful. And he says to Moses, I tell you what, Moses, you go ahead to the promised land. I'm not going with you. Y'all go ahead. I don't want to go. I'm going to stay right here. Y'all go on. And how many of us would say, okay, God, thanks. I know the direction. But I love what Moses said. He's like, no, 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 no. No, Uh no. If you're staying here, I'm staying here. I'm not moving, God, until you move. Because here's what Moses knew. He didn't want the direction from God. He wanted the leadership of God. And many of us pray, what what direction should I take? And our prayer should be, if we want to rely on the Holy Spirit, is this. God, I I want to follow you so closely that I don't care where we go. If you're going to lead me into the fire, at least I know you're there. If you're going to lead me into the waters, I've seen you pardon before and you'll do it again. I want to be where you are. I want to be exactly where you are. And so a lot of us, we, this idea of relying on the Holy Spirit to set direction in our life as we go, show me where to go and I'll go there. When we really need to back up and say, lead me where you want me to go. Maybe instead of praying, God, what, what steps should I take? It's I want to see you more. I want, I, want you, I want more of you because I know when I got more of you, you're going to take me where you want us to go. And when you take me where you want us to go, you're going to provide everything I need in that moment, no matter where that, that place is, to handle everything and you will fully empower me and supply me to do everything you've called me to do in that moment. And how drastically would that change the impact of our life as we move through our life by relying on the Holy Spirit? Says so you didn't get it by works of the law. See the law. See these Judaizers, the law dogs. They liked the law. They found comfort in the law. They they were. I can. I, here's here's tangible things I can do, and I can see the list, and I can follow the list. And so, I, yeah, I may be terrible at following the list, but at least I got the list, and we try to find some comfort in it. And so they'd always go back to the law, the law, the law, the law. And I love what Paul does here. He says, okay, you want to talk about the law, I'm going to take you to the guy before the law. Because see, in the Jewish faith, Abraham was was big guy, patriarch guy, right? Moses was the guy that got the law, Abraham was before Moses. I mean, Abraham is really a central figure in a lot of faiths. So Abraham is a guy, back in the Old Testament, back in Genesis, this is before, uh, before Moses, this is 430 years actually before the law was given, um, there's this guy named Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham, but he gives him this promise, because Paul says, look, I'm going to take you back to Abraham. Did you receive it the way, way, by your works? Did you receive this by the law, or did you receive this? By hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, let me, let me show you this covenant, this call of Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis. Now, the Lord said to Abram, "'Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great.'" so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Look at the promise that God is making there. This is 400 years before the law was given, before God says, hey, hey, if you can follow this list, then I'll bless those who bless you. I will make a blessing out of you. He didn't give it on the installment plan. God doesn't work grace that way. I mean, I didn't get permission to share this, but I'm going to share this. Sorry, Abby. When Abby was in kindergarten, I had to be a room dad just to make sure the school stayed standing at the end of the day. And so I remember at the beginning of a week, I would get down and be like, Abby, look, use your powers for good this week, kid. And you know, the teacher will give you a sticker if you're good, and she would get a stamp of what rule needed to be addressed at home. And I'm like, if you get five stickers this week, we're going to Six Flags. I mean, baby, we're going to Six Flags. I'm going to go all out. We're going to get cotton candy, funnel cakes. We're going, Six Flags, baby. Okay. Okay. We got no stickers. (laughs) It got to the point. I was like, Abby, if you get one sticker this week... (laughs) But she's amazing. You're amazing. But God didn't do that to Abraham. Abraham, I've got this promise for you, man. And if you can be good, and you can do everything right, and you can walk through how I want you to walk through, that promise is yours. Uh-uh. God shows up to Abraham and says, I've got a promise for you, through you. I'm going to make a great nation. There's the Jews. There's Israel. And your offspring is going to be more than you can imagine, more than you can count. But through you, all families, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Ah, there's the Gentiles. It's what Paul's saying. God was speaking the gospel to Abraham before Jesus even entered the scene. God was speaking the gospel that the Jews are going to be saved and Gentiles are going to be saved before the law was even given. It's a foreshadowing that there's gonna, he, if God gives a promise, He's already made a way for the promise to be fulfilled. And he shares his promise with Abraham. And if you want to read it this week, it's, 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 it's an interesting read because Abram's like, all right, then, then he's like, I got the direction, I'm going my way. Literally takes things in his own hands, gets in all kinds of a mess, all that. But he finally comes back to God. God reiterates that promise to him. And in verse uh, chapter 15, it says that Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So wait, it wasn't Abraham, Father Abraham, had many sons and all that. It wasn't his ability to follow the law. It wasn't his ability to be good enough for God. It was his faith. And that faith was credited to him as righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is the right standing before God. It means I've been justified before God. Abraham was justified before God to receive the promise that out of him a nation would be born and that all nations and all families of the earth will be blessed because faith opened that up. And Paul takes him back to us says, was, was it by faith or his ability? It was by faith that we can be a son of Abraham. I mean, because the, the Jews would get really prideful. Like, well, we have Abraham as our father. And Jesus would smack them down, y'all. In Matthew chapter 3, he's like, oh, so you're, you think you're, because you're sons of Abraham, you have Abraham as a father. Now, don't you know I can raise up stones to be children of Abraham? Jesus speaks a little more gently to them in John chapter 8 when there's like, well, we, we, we're not slaves to anyone. We've got Father Abraham as our father, and so, so we, we've got the favor of God. He's like, your father's the devil. Just, just some sweet talk from Jesus, you know? <laughs> I love that he's honest. He's like, if you want to be free, the Son sets you free. It's by faith. Look, what he's saying is, Paul's saying, look, God's law did not change how relationship with God is established. It's always been by faith. It's always been by faith. By faith, Abraham believed. That's the way relationship started, before the law was given. And somehow we we just get this all messed up. And we think because of our ancestry, or heritage, well, Abraham, I'm in the line of Abraham, so I'm good. It's kind of like, well, mama was saved, so I'm saved. No, that's not the truth. Well, I, I grew up, I was born in Texan, yeah? But you're not saved. I think it's funny in context when I'm not like in church, you know, I'm a pastor, but like when I'm outside the church and I'm hanging out with people and they finally get around the conversation, so Matt, what do you do? I'm a pastor. They're like, oh, uh. <laughs> they're going, they're, they're replaying the last 30 minutes in their mind. Did I drop any bombs? I mean, did I say, what did I say? I what, mean, what's going on? Uh, um, hmm. And then it's like, oh, my grandfather was a preacher. <laughs> That's good for your grandfather. You know, what about you? Well, my grandmother took me to church every time the door was open. <laughs> good for you. Good for her. What about you? So you got some hours in church where's your faith? When our kids were growing up, it's a hard transition because we tell them, you can't ride the coattails of our faith. You've got to lock in with Jesus. See, God doesn't have grandchildren. You got to lock in with Jesus. You got to establish faith. And as a parent, that's that's hard because I see them struggle with it and I see them wrestle with it and trying to find truth and, and and submit to truth. And the Holy Spirit takes on that work much better than I can or Heather can. But our kids have to have their own faith. Listen to me. Because your mom went to church doesn't mean you're going to heaven. The only way to eternal life, the only way to the Father, the only way to heaven is through Jesus and it happens by the simple act of faith. And the beauty of faith is this, it is God who gives it to us that we return to him to receive the grace and mercy and life change that we so desperately need. And even from that point, it doesn't mean we start walking in other things. Well, I've got grace, so I'll do life my way. No, 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 grace leads us. Man, I want to follow you, God, so closely that I live this life you paid for. And I'm not going to abuse other people with the grace I received. And I'm not going to abuse the grace that I, that I, I feel like I, I, I can do whatever I want. I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to walk in wisdom. I'm going to walk in step with the Spirit. And this idea of following the Spirit, how, does that, how do I functionally do that? Well, let me tell you, get in the Word. Because the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's fully alive in that. When you read the word, the word reads you. And I mean, it's the only book that the author is right there that that he has given you revelation as you're reading it. And what's your prayer life like? Is it show me the way or I want to follow you? See, God says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask. And I prayed for you this week to receive wisdom as I as I taught this, that it would be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I prayed for you to have wisdom to see through the foolish thinking that Paul's calling out. Look, if you start it by faith, it's got to finish by faith. And if faith opens up grace, then don't move away from grace. And some of you just need to come back to that foundation. You've been walking in some foolish thinking and thinking, I've got to do this. It's not you doing it. It's the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross. He was there. He bore it. He doesn't have to do it again. It's finished. Rest in that. Receive the grace from that. Father, we love you and we thank you for wisdom. We thank you that you said ask for it and you give it. So I thank you for giving us wisdom. And I ask for your wisdom now to, to just reveal areas of my life, our life, God, that where we've tried to follow the list or we've we've moved off of grace or, or God, maybe even for some in this room and watching online, maybe today's the day that grace actually changes their life. That they come to the end of themselves and, and they say, I, I need you. I need you, God. I need your grace and I need your mercy. And I'm just simply asking for that. You've given me faith. I give it back to you to receive that grace, to change me, to save me, to begin a work in me that I'm gonna let you finish. And I'm asking you in that work to fill me, Holy Spirit, so that I rely on you every moment, every second of every day to lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you for that. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for the grace that you pour out so freely. And I thank you when it comes to this idea of faith that you're the author of it, you're the perfecter of it, and you're the finisher of it. So let me finish it well, all for your glory and for your great name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at